Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for this message. You know, uh, we're doing all that we can. We're praying through, we're having conversations every day uh, and working really hard to get to a place where we can gather again together in person. In process towards that, we wanted to offer a video message for those who wanted to watch it. Um, if you're hearing this and, and you're, you're like, man, I want to watch something too, uh, go ahead to lifechurchvirginia.com, click on the button, watch message now and uh, enjoy. Uh, but let's get to it. We have two weeks left of our ferocious fight for satisfaction series. So let's read our hallmark passage of scripture. Uh, Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 20. Paul writes, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content or satisfied, other scriptures would say. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you send me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity. We're grateful that we can gather in this way. First, we pray for our world and our community. We ask for the name of Jesus to continue to be lifted high. We ask for healing. We ask for comfort for those who are battling against the virus or just being in fear of it. We pray for our president, the administration, doctors, scientists, first responders, and we ask for them to be comforted. We ask for them to be protected uh, and just enable them. And Father, simply we ask that you'd help us. Just continue to be who you are, our helper in times of need. So as we're here in this moment, we give you this time. Uh, use it as we open up the scriptures and talk about satisfaction. Uh, would you mold us, shape us, make us more into your image? We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. You know, as we've been having this conversation around satisfaction, I I've tried really hard to not use against language. Um, this hasn't been easy because it's really natural when you're talking about satisfaction to have the conversation revolve around they, what they have uh, compared to us, what they don't have. And really it ends up becoming a conversation of how we match up against them. The fact of the matter is that we humans have a propensity to pit ourselves against. I mean, it even happened in the Garden of Eden. Just think about that. Imperfection pitting ourselves against someone else came naturally. When Adam was given the fruit by Eve, he immediately pitted himself against her. You gave me the fruit. And then he made it God's problem. God, you gave me Eve who gave me the fruit. It's everybody else's issue against language. It's easy to find an enemy and it's altogether effortless to be against. I mean, even in our pandemic circumstance, when, listen, we're all on the same side, but we still find ways and means to argue and point fingers and snipe at one another. And I get it. It's simpler to identify and attack someone than it is to properly protect 
and, and care for who we are on the inside. A funny story that I'm not super proud of uh, that illustrates the point. I'm a Browns fan, as you all know, and my brothers and I some years ago went to a Browns fan game in Baltimore. Now, the Raven Stadium is situated in the Inner Harbor, which is beautiful, but not always a place that makes you feel warm, fuzzy, and safe. Add to that that we were decked out in Browns apparel, and it just wasn't very comfortable. It was okay, actually, for the first three quarters because, as usual, the Browns were getting crushed and the Ravens fans were fine with us. Around about the third and fourth quarter, we started to actually play well. It was crazy. And all of a sudden, the crowd started to turn their anger on us. I was like, hey, you should be frustrated with your team. They're the ones losing, but they were angry with us. And eventually the Browns won. But in the midst of all the furor and the honestly the anger and things that were being tossed at us, I started to be honest, looking around for a, an exit to make sure we could get out. As I was surveying the crowd, I realized there was a guy dressed in Steelers attire, head to toe. I don't know what he was doing, but I pointed him out to everybody because there's only one thing that Ravens fans hate more than Browns fans, and it's Steelers fans. So I made us all look at that guy. Hey, check him out. He's the real enemy. I'm not proud of it, but I think it illustrates my point. It's easier to hate than it is to love and accept even ourselves. But God invites us to the latter, to be loving. At the core of Paul's exhortation, satisfaction is found in properly valuing and protecting who we are and who we are becoming, not in comparison to anyone or anything out there. The title of our conversation, if you're taking notes today, is Satisfaction. Who, what, where is fighting against you? Again, not because satisfaction is somehow found in those arenas, but rather because I want to honestly talk about how those outside forces affect our inside bearing. We'll start with the who and where this week, speaking to the individuals around us in the environment that we're in. Next week, we'll close with a rousing conversation around our egos. That's going to be a ton of fun, so you're not going to want to miss that. So let's get into the individuals and environments. Now, there's a distinct difference between what individuals and environments actually do to us, what they make us feel, versus what we allow them to change and shift in us. Paul in these scriptures runs the gamut of our lives, talking about things that are low or abound, any and every, hunger, plenty, abundance, and need. What he's saying is that no matter what is put before us, according to Paul, we can autoacarsis. We can defend. We can properly value and protect that which is inside of us. Just because words are spoken about us, just because things are done to us or wrongs levied upon us, does not mean that we have to give ourselves over to them. We don't have to react. We don't even have to be beholden to the negative narrative that nags us in our minds. We can instead follow Jesus. And if you're anything like me, you're hearing a pastor say that and you're saying, well, of course he's going to say that. Jesus is the answer to everything that he believes in. And I do. But sometimes we really don't know how that works out. We don't know what that means. We just kind of say, oh, just follow Jesus. But let me say it like this. Too often we think following Jesus means just get in line, fall in line. But I would submit to you, it has more to do with 
Allowing yourself to be disentangled from the lines that pull on you from the outside in. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord and He will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, 7, a familiar passage that we all know. Cast your cares upon the Lord for He cares for you. Don't worry so much about falling in line as much as you need to offer your soul that inner space to God for His leadership and support. We would do well. We would do well, church, to increase our awareness that individuals around us, the environment that we are part of, and the egos that we have do deeply affect our satisfaction. So let's have the conversation around individuals. Individuals, simply put, are those people around us. I know that's a shocking definition. But individuals pose great and constant threats to our satisfaction. Human beings, though, are kind of here to stay. Probably in the course of your future, they're going to be around. Space, time, continuum, and everything, they're going to be there as you journey through life. And we have to be aware that they affect us. I mean, even the aforementioned Adam and Eve, can we all agree that Eve's presence and offering of the fruit took Adam down a different kind of road than God intended for him? Paul talks in another letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He says, bad company corrupts or ruins good morals. Now just think about that for a minute because a moral isn't just a random thing. A moral is what you believe in. A moral is a habit and a pattern that you have in your life. And Paul makes the point that when you have bad, when you have unhealthy around you, it can actually corrupt or ruin that which is firmly inside of you. It reminds me too of a passage of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. Speaking of the prophet Elijah, Elijah is one of the big dogs of the Old Testament. He performs miracle after miracle after miracle. He confronts evil with good. He's doing incredible works of God. And he has this huge victory on Mount Carmel where he literally calls down fire and gives God the glory, gives God an incredible victory. And yet at the end of it, you would think he would be encouraged and confident, but one word from Queen Jezebel and he flees, he runs away. People can affect the deepest places of who we are. Now, maybe you know you're not impervious to people, meaning their words, their actions, the way that they live differently than you do. Perhaps you know that they affect you, but if you're anything like me, I know they affect me. The problem is that I try and downplay how much that affects me. That makes me think of Genesis chapter 18 where we find Sarah and Abraham as the Lord is coming to Abraham who's being promised a child at really an exorbitantly old age. And Abraham is shocked that the Lord is promising him everything that he's dreamed of children and a future. And Sarah's around the corner and Sarah's hearing this and she laughs. She scoffs at the promise of God. And God does something so interesting. The Lord turns to Sarah and says, hey, you laughed. And Sarah's like, no, 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 I didn't laugh. And God leans in and says, no, but you did. (laughs) Now, I submit to you, God's not being rude and mean in that moment. He's not just prodding Sarah, but he's getting at something. We need to understand how deeply things that are said and that are around us actually affect us. So individuals, individuals deeply affect us, not just on the outside, but at the core of who we are. Next, environment. 
Environment is simply put, the place where you're planted. Uh, It's a silent contributor. You might not always hear your environment. You might not always really feel your environment, but it's there and it's giving influence to your existence. The think of it in terms of the science project, that one that you did as a kid, you know, where you had the, the same plants planted in little milk cartons and you gave one one color water and one another color water and you never really saw anything change until they started to fruit until they started to flower. And then the flowers and the fruiting showed a different influence, a different color. That would be a good illustration of what, il- what environment really does to us. Understand too, more than ever today, environments are stackable. They are vast and they are various. There was a day and age not too long ago where your environment was really made up of your family, some close friends, maybe your school, that classroom you're a part of, or that job that you went to, and it ended right there. Nowadays, environments stack. We have so many opportunities for voices to be let in us, whether it's the news media coming right into our homes from various different channels or on our devices, or just people that we meet in a large scale, states, counties, countries, hemispheres, all of these things are vast environments that actually influence us. And here's the thing. Even Jesus himself proves that environments are influential. It says in Matthew chapter 13, he couldn't do miracles. Jesus, the son of God, couldn't do miracles in his hometown because of the environment that was there, because of their unbelief. Even the son of God was hindered. Israel. Israel was taken out of Egypt. The people of God were submitting to the plan of God and being liberated from Egypt. Now, if you're anything like me, a moment like that happens in scripture and you wonder, God, why don't you just free them right there in Egypt? Why don't you bless them right there in Egypt? I would submit to you it's because environments matter. God had to get Israel literally geographically out of where they were in order for them to be able to enter into not just a promised land of dirt and soil, but into what God had for them. Another thing that I just want to remark, environments have certain cultures to them. And our culture is really fast. It's really busy and it's getting faster and busier, it seems like, as life goes on. In uh, Matthew chapter 1, we see this interesting thing take place. And Joseph, who I don't think gets enough credit in Scripture, the adopted uh, father of Jesus, Joseph finds out that his betrothed, the woman he's about to marry, is pregnant. Let's just acknowledge that that's a little awkward. That's probably a bit of a thing. And it says in Matthew chapter 1, her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, as he considered these things, let's just take for granted that the culture and the environment that Joseph was a part of was a little bit slower than ours. Ours technology, and for other reasons, is a whole lot faster. We don't give ourselves the time and space anymore to really consider or think or even pause. We would all probably do well to maybe just slow down and take a breath every once in a while in between bites of food as we run from point A to point B. My point in saying this is that Joseph's slowness enabled God's plan to come to fruition because he took a moment and considered His environment allowed for him to make a healthy and right decision. 
the environment we are in deeply affects us. And again, environments aren't always tangible. Maybe you don't always feel it or you, can, uh, you can't always touch it. It's not always out there, but it's definitely something that is affecting us at our innermost being. Just like those plants that I talked about in your science project when you were a kid, just like we don't see them until other shades emerge from the influential waters, so our satisfaction is colored, challenged, and really waged against by the individuals who are in our lives and the environments that we are a part of. Now, I am not suggesting that we should separate from every relationship that isn't overtly good, right, and true. I mean, honestly, what is good, right, and true? Who gets to make that call in each and every one of our lives? Nor should we cut ourselves off from some portion of the outside world because the environment is just too dark and too hopeless. If anything, Jesus' example for us and his invitation to us dictates that we do the exact opposite. Exhortations that we would go, that we would love, that we would serve. They scream to include, embrace, and welcome, even approach others and outside. But I do think, I do think that we would do well to note and be aware of how individuals and the environment around us affects us at a deep soul level, even our satisfaction. Hey, I just want to encourage you to think about that in the coming days. We love you so much. We're praying for you. And I want to leave you with this benediction surrounding this message. May we grow in awareness of individuals and environments as they wage against our satisfaction, who we are at the deepest levels. May we hear, listen, and respond more to God's Holy Spirit than any other invitation. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. We love you so much and we're praying for you. We can't wait to see you.